0: All right. Good morning, everybody. We are going to allow some space at the end of our service for you to carry on those conversations. How about that? We do that every week. You can stay as long as you like, but we're going to get going here with uh, with the message. How's everybody doing? Fantastic. My name is Colin. If I haven't met you before... It's great to see you this morning. I'm one of the leaders at Anthem and really excited to be here with you today. And actually for the next five weeks as we lead up to Easter, um, I'm kind of excited about what we're going to jump into here in a minute. We're, We're calling this series that we're doing the God of the Breakthrough. And I really believe that God has some things for us over these next five weeks. I want to encourage you to come to all five services between now and Easter. Can you handle that? Excellent. Right. Arthur's in. I like it. Okay. So uh, next five weeks, we're going to talk about God breaking through in our lives. And, um, you know, I think what I like about being in Boston, and as you know, I'm not originally from here, but what I like about being here is that Boston and, and um, Massachusetts, and the, but the city of Boston is kind of a city of firsts and um, a city of breakthroughs and a city where things happened here first. I mean, mainly because there was kind of Western people here first, I suppose. But um, but like in 1634, we had the first public park in um, in Boston. So anyone know where that is? Boston Common, right? Okay, that was first public park was right here. Um, we had the first college, which was here, which is. Harvard, right? Or Harvard, okay? Um, sorry, I pronounced that with an R, but um, there isn't an R really, right? That's just a uh, imaginary R's. Um, the first telephone was invented here by Alexander Graham Bell. He wasn't from here, um, but he invented it right here, and it looks like he's like a whole bunch of them kind of standing around waiting for someone to invent the, the second telephone, which would have been awesome, <laughs> um, uh, I don't know how long that took before that uh, kind of got around, but eventually they did it. Um, and then there's been some amazing creations um, here as time goes on. Like, Did you know that the chocolate chip cookie was created first created right here in Massachusetts? Uh, where? Anybody know the place? The Toll House? You heard of Toll House? Right. They're called Toll House Cookies after the famous inn at Whitman, Massachusetts. The chocolate chip cookie, right? That makes me want to go and get one from the lobby, right? Because they have them right here at the DoubleTree. The The chocolate chip cookie was invented here. And then in 1946, believe this or not, the microwave oven was created right here by, I think, Raytheon had a part to play in making that happen. The microwave oven was invented here. And if you read up a little bit about it, you'll discover that the microwave oven was actually sort of created by, invented by accident. And I don't really know what that means, except that, like, who's being so careless with, with waves of those kind of kinds that they could just, like, in, invent a microwave oven by accident? So maybe do a bit of reading on that one. And then um, more recently, in fact, last week, um, Dunkin' Donuts brought out the bag of bacon, okay, which is uh, the most recent amazing um, innovation from Massachusetts, sort of heart attack in a bag kind of thing. And... Um, We'll see how that goes, see so who the first person to lose it because of the bag of bacon is. But we desire breakthrough in our lives. We love, we love to see uh, new innovation that, that pushes its way through boundaries where there was previously a blockage and, and somebody pushes through that. We love breakthroughs, don't we? We love to see new innovation, new inventions and this kind of stuff, especially when it happens right here, right in our neighborhood on our own turf. But I believe that God wants to give us breakthroughs as well in our lives. And so many of us find ourselves with these kind of blockages in front of us, things that are stopping us moving forward. And we see it as a church as well. If only we could get past this barrier. And so I want us to think about this idea of breakthrough over these next few weeks. and We desire to live in in cities and towns and neighborhoods and areas and our lives representing breakthrough taking place. And I desire God to break through in my life in areas where I'm struggling, in areas where I feel like I'm held back. But I believe God's posture is always towards breakthrough. God's posture is, always, is, is, is he's always looking to see where is a willing vessel through which he can uh, send his spirit and we can see the kind of breakthrough that only he can bring. And over the next five weeks, uh, I want us to dive into the book of Acts, which is the first book after the Gospels, the four accounts of Jesus' life. And this is like a continuation of what was essentially the Gospel of Luke. Luke wrote one of the four Gospels and then he wrote um, Acts of the Apostles. It's kind of like Luke. Two, like the sequel to the Gospel of Luke was the Acts of the Apostles. And it dis- it's a book that describes the work of God through Jesus' earliest followers and essentially through the Holy Spirit's work throughout the known world back then. And if you haven't got a Bible and you want a Bible, you can, you can go grab a Bible. We'll always have Bibles for anybody that wants one. There's a, there's a stack of these at the back. And if ever you or uh, or Anthem and you want like, what's he talking about? Is that even in here and you want to check it up? Uh, you can do that. Uh, or if ever you bring somebody with you and they don't have a Bible, always feel free to go and grab one um, of those at the back because where would we be if we weren't giving Bibles out, okay? And what I want to ask you to do, right, for the next five weeks between now and the fifth Sunday of this series, that's 29 days from now between now and the end of this series, I want to encourage you to read a chapter of the book of Acts every day. There's 28 chapters in the book of Acts. And so if you start today or tomorrow, you will finish on the weekend when we finish this breakthrough series. And we're going to be looking at some accounts from the book of Acts the whole time that we're doing this series over these next five weeks. And sometimes it's, for, it's easy for us to forget kind of, and, and just like, read the text, and miss kind of the humanity of what's going on, miss what the people who are in these uh, stories in the Bible are actually experiencing. So I want to sort of take us on a little bit of a journey through two or three of the accounts at the beginning of the book of Acts today. can like imagine that you're one of Jesus' early disciples. You've been with him for two or three years, and as time's gone on, you've started to believe this stuff. Like, you're starting to hear his teaching, put it into operation in your life. There's some things you don't understand. But by and large, you're loving what you're hearing, and you're seeing Jesus doing miracles, and right in front of your eyes, the kingdom of God is coming. And then at the end of that three-year period, you see your new friend Jesus tortured and whipped and beaten and, and executed in front of your eyes. And you think, it's over, everything's done. And all those kind of crazy things he said about defeating death you think that's probably over now but three days later he's he's risen from the dead and there's a knock on the door one day and it's mary and she's saying guys i've seen jesus and she she gets him and all of a sudden he shows up at this this place where the other followers of christ are and and all of a sudden they're like jesus is back it's true what he said was going to happen has actually happened so this sort of kind of this bottom of this uh this roller coaster that they're on all of a sudden they're they're back up they're with jesus again and then this is this period of about 40 days after jesus rose from the dead we should be doing this after easter but there's this period of about 40 days after jesus rose from the dead that he's interacting with his followers and every now and then he'd like show up or walk through a wall or appear in some room somewhere where the disciples are letting them know it's like i'm back like it's on like what you thought had come to an end maybe in your darkest moment. Uh, I'm back. There's about 120 followers of Jesus Christ now, and a whole ton of other people have scattered, but Jesus is there with his followers. And I want you to know that what you might know if you've read some of the book of Acts, don't forget that as this stuff was unfolding, these disciples didn't know it was coming. They didn't know that Jesus was going to ascend into heaven. They didn't know that that. that the Holy Spirit was going to come or anything like that. This is all like happening in real time for them in a way that it's a little bit different for us. And then he, he's, uh, he's got this, this group of 120 people together at the Mount of Olives. And he's giving them some sort of parting instructions. He's saying in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that something new is coming. It says this, uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Notice the the, the tense there, right? You will receive power. Something's about to change. I've been with you again for these 40 days, but I want you to know that something new is just around the corner. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And this was kind of like a side note here. This is kind of like a message that Jesus was sending to his followers, just saying, guys, this isn't just for, for, for you local Jews right here. This isn't just for people in Jerusalem. You're going to be my, my, my witnesses. You're going to be the, the evangelists, the promoters of this whole thing in Jerusalem right here, and in Judea, which is kind of a regional area, and in Samaria, which was completely cross-cultural, and then to the ends of the earth. You're going to be the people that spread this thing around the whole globe. And then verse nine, it says, and after this, after he had said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. And they're like, seriously, like, Things are moving a little fast at the moment. One minute, Jesus is with us, and he's giving us this incredible commission to go out into the whole world and uh, to be his witnesses across the globe. And the next second, suddenly, he starts, like, floating up into the air. And, like, I don't know whether that was, you know, there was thunder or there was noise or there was kind of wispy. Or, or, but all of a sudden, Jesus disappears from their view, in, and it says, like, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They're probably like, why has it got to be cloudy when stuff like this happens, you know? and these guys are just blown away by what's taking place imagine imagine experiencing that for the first time without it having been written down like it is for us and just being watching this thing happen and as if that isn't like the the, the end of the whole story and the beginning of a new chapter, suddenly it says that two angels just kind of appeared in the same spot that Jesus had gone up into. Here they are looking up at Jesus, gradually disappearing behind the cloud. And as he goes up, two angels come down. And they've got a message for, for, for these like awestruck disciples just sitting on the mountain with their jaws on the floor watching what's happened. And it says in, in verse 11, Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? Which seems like that was a little obnoxious, really, because they just watched Jesus flying up into the sky. So this same Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you've seen him go into heaven. And then it carries on. And it says, this is the, the thing that I want us to catch today. They, then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Now this, you might have heard of the upper room. Like you're going to hear about this upper room a bunch of times through the, book of, the early part of the book of Acts. This is the room where the disciples were when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit came and filled them. And it says they went up into this, up, this upstairs room where they were staying. Verse 14 says they all joined constantly. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. They're up there in this room. Jesus has just ascended into heaven. They don't really know what's going to go on, but they're like, we've got to pray. They go upstairs into this room, and the, the text says that they were, they were all together constantly in prayer. This, was, this now, crying out to God, asking God for his presence, asking God for, for boldness, asking God for strength, was now their new normal. They didn't know what was going to be coming, they didn't know what was around the corner, but they're like, they like they joined together constantly in prayer. They waited and they prayed, and they waited and they prayed. And I don't know what you're like, but I'm, I'm not great at waiting and praying. I'm not great at being reflective and I'm not great at, at sitting and, and thinking God's God's got something around the corner. It's coming. We're okay. I just gotta wait. I just gotta trust him. I'm not I'm a pretty impatient person. Like on the if you ever done strengths finder, maybe you've done that at work or something, that personality uh, test kind of thing that describes where your strengths are and where your weaknesses are. My, one of my top strengths is Activator, which basically the activator says, when do we start? Like I, I wanna build the ship on the while it I don't know what that phrase is. You know what I mean? Build, build the plane in the air. But, um, you know, I want to get moving. I don't want to sit. I don't want to wait. But these disciples had it right. They're waiting and they're praying. I mean, I, traffic lights, like, make me crazy. I mean, I feel like the red traffic lights are only a sort of a suggestion anyway. They're not really as, you know, anyway, that's a, my opinion. But that one out here, coming into the hotel... Anybody experience that? Like, I've read entire books of the Bible, like, at that traffic light, all right? I mean, you can, you can do your devotions there, anything. Like, it takes a while to get in. I know some of you are late because of that traffic light. You can legitimately use that, that reason on a regular basis. Uh, but I want to move. But these guys, they're up there for 10 days in a room. They didn't know if it was going to be 5 days, 10 days, 100 days. They didn't know what was going to happen. They just knew that Jesus had said, wait for the gift my father promised. Acts chapter 2, it starts out like this. Remember, they didn't know this was coming. They didn't know that this was going to be anything else other than like a normal Thursday, all right? It says, when the day of Pentecost came, Pentecost was a, was a Jewish feast, uh, the Feast of Weeks, which just celebrated the harvest, and thousands of people had come into Jerusalem for that. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in that one place, in that upper room. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Not a normal day, right? Right there in this room, suddenly from heaven during that, like, 10-day prayer event, suddenly this thing comes through the roof, fire lands on each of them, tongues of fire lands on each of their heads, and they start speaking in tongues. They start speaking in languages that they previously didn't understand. And the Bible goes on to say that there was people from all over the world, all all over the, the Mediterranean there mainly, the uh, cr- people from Crete, people from Rome, people from Libya, um, people from, uh, f- from Egypt, all visiting Jerusalem, Jews from all across the Mediterranean who spoke different languages, visiting Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost. And they're there and suddenly these guys must come out the upper room or they go in there or somehow they're on the street and they're starting to hear these people speak in their local dialects or in their local languages. And they're like, that. There's a commotion. There's some strangeness going on. Like different people are calling each other. Like like you want to you want to come check this out and bring your phone. You want you're going to want to post this. Like this is this is not normal. Something odd's taking place. Something that's never ever happened. And these guys start to hear the disciples praising God, declaring the wonders of God in the local dialects of the people who were visiting Jerusalem. And there's a commotion. There's amazement. They're legitimately asking, like, are these like, are these guys hammered? Like, what's going on? This is not normal. And I love, like, the, I mean, there's verse 15. Peter addresses this. And he says, these people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. And I I, I kind of love it that that verse made the cut into the Bible. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Because that's just, it's just so human, isn't it? It's like, no, no, no. Like, we don't start passing out the mimosas till at least 1130, you know? Like, these guys were not drunk. Something visible Something visible, something unusual, something that they had never seen before was taking place in the, in the bodies and the lives of these people who had these, these tongues of fire on their heads at the time. And Peter gets it under control. Peter gets this whole commotion under control. Remember, thousands of people in the city of Jerusalem that day. And he preaches what is technically, essentially the first post-Jesus sermon. Peter gets up. He's the kind of the impetuous one. He's the bold one. He's the he's the the the, the one who like jumps into situations without thinking of him about them. You know, he, he gets up and he preaches this awesome sermon and what happens? 3,000 people that day say yes to Jesus. What was 120 followers of Christ became 3,120 and the first church was a mega church. Okay, I mean it started out in a day with over 3,000 people deciding, I'm in. Verse 41 says, Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000 people that day accepted the message, baptized right there and then. I don't know where they, catered, they must have catered from Chick-fil-A or something like that to get food, to carry this event on, but they were just baptizing people like all day long, all day long baptizing people. If you're someone that follows Jesus Christ, but you haven't taken that step of baptism yet, I want to let you know that the, the normal approach is to, is to think about getting baptized after you decide to follow Jesus Christ. That's, that's normal Christian behavior, to think I want to do what, that the early disciples did. I want to say yes to Jesus and allow that yes to Jesus to make the difference in my life that means me saying, yeah, I'm going to get baptized. And we, we have baptism services a few times a year. We're going to be having one shortly after Easter. And if you want to find out about that, come and talk to me. I'd love to chat to you about getting baptized. And we would love to be a part of your your spiritual journey with Jesus in that, in that respect, because the normal thing to do is to follow up your decision to follow Christ by being baptized and, and, and following Jesus in that way, in obedience to him. It says, you know, that the, the first thing that they did, the first thing that these disciples, these new converts, these new disciples did, was that they, they formed a church, and they became the Church of Jesus Christ right there in Jerusalem. Acts 2.42 says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Look at that verse. This was like the, this was like the vision statement of the New Testament church. That's it. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching to teaching, to learning, to fellowship and community, to like girls' nights out, right, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. These people just wanted to be together to learn more about who Jesus was, to connect with one another, to commit to one another, and to journey together as they fulfill this mission of God around the globe. And again, I want to say to you, if if this, for some of you, this is your home church and you're devoted to Anthem Church, and I want to Say, thanks for doing that because you're not fulfilling my dream or my mission or anything like that. When we devote ourselves to Christ and to his church, we fulfill the mission of God. We we, we reflect the disciples in the book of Acts. They devoted themselves to the local community. That was just normal for them. So my encouragement to you is like, devote yourself to Christ and his community. It was the basic, the basic structure of the, of, the, of the early church. It was like teaching, learning, fellowship, breaking of bread, communion, and prayer. And uh, a better translation on the prayer side is that these disciples devoted themselves to the prayers because they would have this regular rhythm of, of, of going to pray, going to the temple. It was part of their tradition as, as, as Jewish people that they would go to the temple on a regular basis and pray. And so this, it's sort of better translated, they were committed to the prayers, to this, to this kind of standard thing that they were doing on a regular basis, this regular rhythm that they had. And as time goes on, just probably a few days later, in Acts chapter 3, we read about this, this situation that's happening when they're on their way to praying. Peter and John are on their way to the temple for one of these regular sort of prayer sessions. And they meet a guy out in the street. And this guy is lame. He's he's been disabled since birth he's been sitting outside the temple probably for his whole life he's 40 years old and he's what he does each day is sit outside the temple and ask for money and ask people to give him money for food and Peter and John have probably seen this guy before maybe Jesus had seen this guy before going in and out of the temple and he's always there and yet it was a, a, a unique moment that day when they walk past him and he says listen if you got some some money for food and they're like look at us We got, you know, we got, we got nothing. In in Acts 3, 6, Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly, this man's feet and ankles became strong. Imagine the commotion in that courtyard. These people who've seen this guy, uh, disabled since birth, unable to walk. And all of a sudden, he's walking at the at the pronouncement of healing in the name of Jesus. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. Instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Now, I don't know what like, normal <clears throat> standard procedure or protocol for going into the temple really was, but I bet it wasn't like walking and uh, jumping and shouting and praising God. Imagine this this scene, imagine the commotion that people thought like, okay, that Jesus situation that seems to have calmed down now, that whole Holy Spirit thing, that was a few days ago and then all of a sudden there's odd situations continuing to happen right before their eyes. You know, sometimes when the Holy Spirit moves in response to our prayers, things might seem a little crazier than you expected. You might not get what you asked for, but you might get something else. This guy was asking for food, for for money, for food. He he got something completely different than what he was asking for. When the people of God, if we learn to be people who are committed to waiting and praying, and waiting and praying, I believe God's going to show up in miraculous ways in our lives. Honestly, what you see right here is people who are, who, are, who are starting to live out the teachings of Jesus. How hard would it be for each of us to say, you know what? For these next 28 days, I'm going to pick up God's word. I'm going to pick up the Bible. Maybe you download the, the, the Bible app on your phone, the U version app on your phone, like four hundred and fifteen million people around the world have already done. Download that app app onto your phone and and set up a Bible reading plan. It's very simple to use and you can have it alert you every morning. Read a chapter of the book of Acts every single day. It's that easy. You can do it. You can redeem the the time that you're in your car and, and just listen to it. Get God's word and his heart and his focuses embedded in our hearts as we as we journey on this uh, uh, series for the next five weeks. He was asking for money to eat, for food to eat, and God had something for him that was totally different. Now, one little extra thing, like one final part to this story, and that's that these guys, uh, the, re, uh, re, the result of this miraculous healing is that the Peter and John start preaching, and another 2,000 people come to Christ. In just a matter of hours or days, 2,000 more people, still there's 5,000 in this brand new megachurch. 5,000 people uh, total that have given their lives to Christ and been baptized. And and, uh, and Peter and John are preaching again. People are coming to Christ. There's commotion. The authorities are starting to like, really get concerned about what's happening. They're thinking, look, we've had all this commotion with Jesus before. We figured he's at the center of this whole uh, movement so let's take him out they take him out and then in no time again you know 40 days later 50 days later uh the disciples are starting to cause the same kind of trouble that jesus was people are lame people are beginning to walk people in their thousands are turning away from from the tradition and turning towards jesus what an incredible change in the city And so they get locked up overnight, and then they meet, they face the authorities the following morning, and and the authorities basically say, you guys are going to have to stop preaching in Jesus' name. And Peter and John look at them, and they're like, that's not going to happen. Because in this situation, when you start to see miracles take place in people's lives, what do you do? You be the judge. Do you you listen to men, or do you listen to God? And they throw it back to the authorities and they say, what do you, how would you approach that? And their response is, we're going to listen to God. We're going to continue to preach Jesus and preach the power of God. And they go back to the upper room. They go back to where the, the other disciples are and they get together and they tell them this whole story. And I love this in Acts 4.29. Um, they, they kind of have a, a continuation of their prayer gatherings. And their prayer is like this. Get this prayer today. If you leave here with nothing else, get this prayer. All right. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and to perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. In other words, God, give us guts to carry on. Like, what would you be praying at that point? If you've seen this, you've seen miracles, but you've, seen, you've also seen the intensity from the authorities, like you've got to stop doing this. Like if, if the local, author, if, the, if the board of selectmen or the town of Burlington, like cease and desist, stop meeting, you know, I wonder what, what we'd be thinking. We'd be praying, oh, God, give us wisdom. We want to know how to handle this. We want to know how to approach this. They're like, God, give us boldness. Give us boldness because we want, to, we want to preach your word, how we're supposed to preach your word, and then we believe that we'll see the miraculous take place. And, and they've been praying, God, stretch out your hand and to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. God, give us boldness. Most of your prayers, and I speak with authority here because I'm human as well, and most of my prayers are centered on my needs and centered on what I'm dealing with. And I ask for protection for my family and my kids and my loved ones. And I ask for financial provision. And I ask for for provision for the church. And I ask for safety. We pray the oddest things. You know, we pray for... Traveling mercies and a hedge of protection, and all these like religious terms that we've we've built up over time. God's what? What are we supposed to pray for? We're supposed to pray for boldness, so that when we speak, we will speak with the kind of boldness of of actual disciples of Jesus, and we'll see God's hand at work in our lives. And somebody asked me earlier in the week. Somebody from out of state texted me a friend of mine who prays for me, and I normally tell him things that I'm dealing with. How can I pray for you? Oh, pray for this, pray for that. And and he texted me because I was thinking about all this. I I just responded, I said, pray for boldness, because that's the prayer of the early church. Pray for boldness. That's the prayer that I want prayed over me. I want people to pray for me that I might be bold enough to communicate God's word as it should be communicated. Not because I stand on this like, 18-inch stage, but because I'm a follower of Jesus. I want to ask that you pray for boldness as you approach the the message that God's called us to give. Pray and wait, pray and wait, pray and wait. They were praying the kind of prayer saying, God, will you do things among us that could only be traced back to you? Will you do the kind of things in our community, in my sphere of influence, that people will look and they'll say, there's no way that Colin did that. There's no way that Shane did that. There's no way that Arthur did that. You know, there's no way that Justin did that. That happened because of God. It only happened because of God. Acts 4.31, last verse that I'll read to you, it says this. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. God answers their prayer and they spoke the word of God boldly. When we pray the kind of prayers that God asks us to pray, he answers those prayers. What must it have been like to have been in that room? To ask God for for boldness, and then for them to see God answer that prayer, and for the place to be shaken, and them to go out and do exactly what they'd ask God to give them strength for. So like a normal prayer is to ask God for the miraculous. That's normal. Just in the same way that full devotion to Jesus Christ should be normal for a follower of Jesus. Not like, I'm just kind of inching my way into this thing. Same with the church. Full devotion towards a a local community of God's church, right here, Anthem or any other church, if this doesn't work for you. Full devotion should be normal. The, the, The disciples devoted themselves. Are we willing, in this world where we're surrounded by brokenness and pain and injustice, we want, God, we want to cry out and ask that you break through in the areas around us where we see pain and we see injustice and brokenness. Maybe the band could come up and uh, get ready to lead us in worship now. But as we, uh, as we begin this series, I want to ask you these couple of questions. Uh, I want to give you three challenges. Firstly, Read a chapter of the book of Acts every day for the next next 28 days. It will take you a matter of two or three minutes. Embed yourselves in God's Word. Open the front of your Bible. Look up in the index where it says Acts. Acts of the Apostles. Something like that. It's that easy. Start at chapter one and for the next 28 days read through the 28 chapters of the book of Acts. I want to encourage you to 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 set aside 15 minutes of your day where you do nothing else but pray. 15 minutes. We, we we spend more time on social media than that most days. You know, like 15 minutes a day where we say, I am going to get on my knees and pray or I'm going to go for a walk and pray. You're allowed to take the dog with you or something, but nobody who talks back, okay? Like just just like time on your own Where you say, I'm going to spend 15 minutes sitting in a chair where I'll open up God's Word. And I will spend time praying, asking God, God, give me boldness as I enter the sphere of influence that you've put me in. God, give me strength to to proclaim your Word boldly as I should. And God, do miracles where there is injustice. Would you come, God, and would you heal And would you deliver? And would you do miracles where I need to see you breaking through? Read God's word. Pray. I'm going to invite you to something as well that we're going to do each week for the next five weeks. And this is a little different. Uh, We're going to do an online group on Thursday nights. And I don't know if you... If you, if you do much interaction, online video chat with people. But there's an application called Zoom that you can download on your phones, uh, zoom.us. Uh, and Zoom is an online platform where you can have a, a meeting with two, three, four, five, or 100 people. And each week between on Thursdays between 8 and 9, we're going to host a Zoom room. And we're going to have a couple of people share um, some of their reflections on the Sunday morning content that I'll be giving over these next five weeks. And then we'll kind of have it open for conversation. And if there's five of us that do it, that will be fantastic. If there's 10 or 50, that works too. And uh, it might get a little chaotic, but we'll figure it out. Um, we've been thinking about this for the last uh, few weeks about doing this. And I would suggest that if you haven't downloaded Zoom or done an online chat before that you um, Download it before 8 p.m. or, you know, 7.55 on Thursday night. Go to zoom.us. Give you, get, get yourself used to it. Best to download it on your phone. Plug some headphones in or Bluetooth them or whatever. And then go somewhere quiet. And let's enjoy some community together in the week. And if you, this is ideal for those of you that might live... Um, you know, 45 minutes from here or something and you're not round the corner and can be a part of a group during the week, you don't all have to do it. But if you if it helps you to jump into a group like that for the next five weeks, I'd love to have you be a part of that. And, uh, uh, and if you have kids and, you know, you could put them to bed and join us, hopefully eight, eight to nine is a good time for us to connect online like that. So I want to invite you into that. Um, we, we thought about this before coronavirus, by the way. So if, if things go Further south, we might be, you know, having Easter Sunday on Zoom or something like that. You never know, but um, we'll see. Hopefully not, right? But I want to encourage you, join us on that Zoom call. Jo- join us where, where you, you, want to, you will pray with us every single day. Maybe connect with us on that Anthem Church Community page. If you're on the Anthem Church Community group, jump in on that and say, hey, I'm praying. Every morning this week, I'm praying for 15 minutes. I'm reading a chapter of Acts. Let's connect together online and and encourage each other in that way. But I want to encourage us to take a posture of waiting. And even this morning, for a couple of minutes, the band's just going to sing a song to us. I'd just like to encourage us all just to bow our heads for a moment and just to let the words from this song just sort of kind of Wash over us a little bit as we, as we think about what it might be and what change that there might need to be in my life in order for me to wait and pray and experience God in a new way in my life.